Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. We are here with Erin Lochner today. She is the author of Chasing Slow and also the creator of Other Goose Homeschool. It's a homeschool curriculum. And Terilyn and I both absolutely love her book, Chasing Slow. So we're excited to talk to you today, Erin. Um, we are going to start off with some face palms and high fives. I'll start us off with a face palm, and that is that Terlyn and I sit really close when we record and I worked out this morning and did not put on deodorant and now she gets to smell me. <laughs> oh, well, can we just make it a double face foam? Because I also worked out this morning and I, I can smell myself. So if you walk into our recording studio right now. Beware, beware. <laughs> but so I'm going to give myself a high five for working out this morning. Ooh. Yes. I think anytime you build up a sweat, it's just we earned this smell. We earned this smell. <laughs> we earned it. The gold star. I would also high five that. That's crazy. You've already worked out today. Well done. <laughs> All right. Um, I have a face palm. Um, I just realized my weather app has been set to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> For like years. Like I don't live in Boise. I don't think I've ever been to Boise. And just all this time I thought my weather app was was terrible, but really it just only works obviously if you set it to the area that you actually live in. Oh my gosh. How did you know? How did you figure that out, Erin? Like how did that happen? My daughter actually is like because she's like, Can we go for a hike today? And I'm like, Oh honey, I think it's gonna rain. And she's like, it does not look like rain. And then she like looks at, at the weather app and she's like, mom, this is not at all where we live. I, I, she's, she's eight. So she's in that stage of like, anything I can correct you on is, is fine by me. So blue skies, mom, check it out. <laughs> I know. I know. How many hikes have I missed for years? Oh gosh, that is hysterical. And I'm from Idaho and Idaho weather is not something you want to think that you have for it is not <laughs> like really nice weather. <laughs> You're in Indiana, right? Karen? Yes, Indiana. So do you have like classic four seasons? We do. It's actually, I don't think it's all that different. It was never like crazy off. So probably oh. that's why I didn't figure it out sooner. <laughs> so it, it feels similar. Yes. I love that. Well, Erin, I am so pumped because you know this about me, but I am like total fangirl, like follower of you. I love, love, love your book. I mean, I, my husband's sick of hearing me <laughs> oh. about your book. So to talk with you is just such an honor. Like we are just so thrilled. So I, I would love our listeners to hear, could you tell us about your kind of a summarize of your journey and how you got to the point of writing Chasing Slow and then your journey from there with, and tell us about your kids, your kid status and all that good stuff. Yeah, totally. So I was born and raised in the Midwest, which is like bootstrap country, you know, like you, you work your way up, you work 
there's like that Midwestern work ethic, like work and productivity is very important. So um, I grew up in a, in a household with two school teachers and it was just sort of a given that you would kind of go through the path of you go to college and then you graduate and then you find a job and then you work 40 hours a week for, you know, then, then you buy the fancy house and then you buy the next fancy house or whatever. I mean, I'm kind of filling that part in from what I got from culture rather than from my parents. But um, I just thought that was kind of the track, like that was the American dream. And I never, ever once thought to question it. So I um, met my husband in college and he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and he had just this insane, amazing outlook on life. I I mean, it was electrifying. He just, it, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was like, one of those live like you're dying things. He he actually wasn't like that. He was just, he was very much like, well, yes, like this is the hand I've been dealt. I'm going to stick to the path that I wanted to go on anyway. It, does, it doesn't change anything. I just get to enjoy each day for what it is like everybody else does. So um, he actually, he's a film editor. He won an Emmy. He moved to Hollywood and I followed him. And we get married and we're just working like dogs nonstop all the time. And at that time, you know, this was kind of the internet boom and there were so many opportunities available and we just both sort of seized every opportunity and, and it, it, it works, right? Like that formula works. If that you work really hard, you do get results, um, mm-hmm. but they're not always the results you want. And so it really took a lot of great opportunities. We had a show on HGTV.com. We, um, I had started a blog at the time. It ended up hitting a million views. I mean, we were just sort of at the, at the top of our different industry games until we kind of sat back and were like, would we have chosen this if we didn't just sort of keep saying yes? Uh, would we have chosen everything that comes with it? And that was a hard answer because we did love our jobs. We do love our jobs. And um, we had to just kind of stop and think, what does it look like to question um, not, you know, not, not, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is our culture, I think, loves the sort of underdog comeback story. We kind of had to see what would it look like to have a step back story? What would it look like to pause and reassess? Is this is this the life that we want to build together? Um, so we slowly just kind of walked away from different things and kind of rejiggered and rearranged and built a life that way instead. And the book is a lot about that. Oh, I love, I love that. And having read the book, I feel like you really do, you did figure out what opportunities or what things in your life did you actually want? Can you tell us how, like, how did you distill to decide this, these are the pieces that we actually want to keep. And these are the ones we kind of want to get rid of. That's a great question. Um, one of the questions I would ask myself pretty often is, would I pitch this opportunity? Would I go after this opportunity? If it wasn't offered, if it wasn't handed, if it wasn't, if it didn't sort of come along with the the other jobs that I had on the side. I mean, freelance creatives, I'm sure you guys understand this. It's just, there are a lot of things that kind of meld and blend into others and they kind of jump to other things. It's like one big leapfrog game and it's fun. It's really fun. Um, but I did kind of, one of, one of my big questions was, 
you know, if, if I'm, if I'm pitched something or if I'm asked to do a job, I would have to ask, would I proactively go after this myself? Um, given all of the beautiful parts and all of the limitations involved. Um, and because of what I valued, which really what I value almost most more than anything else is just living a, like a roots down life, like being where my community is, being serving people in person, uh, not being on the internet 24-7, just really playing a role in the community where I'm planted. And that was really hard to do with so much travel and so many odd hours and all of that. So that was a big question that I asked myself and it, and it worked really well for us. Mm, I like that way of looking at it. Would I actually proactively go after this? Mm-hmm. Would I, think I that's a great question. Yeah, I like that. I always ask myself, would I choose this? But I, I feel like that your question takes it kind of to the next level and I like it. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Tell us about, okay, so it sounds something I love about the way you speak and the things you teach is that we can kind of toy with the, with equations, right? You say, you know, we sometimes feel like when we are empty, adding is what we need, but sometimes it's subtracting that we need. And can you tell us a little bit about how we have control over our equation? You have some cool things that you do in your family that has worked. And the th- something I love about you, Erin, is that it isn't like, this is how I do it. And this is how it's going to be forever. It's that in this life, we keep re-looking at our equations, right? Like we keep saying this is working and now this isn't working anymore. And I think if there's anything we can learn in parenting is that, Mm -hmm. right? Like something works until it doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you try something else and that's okay. But tell us what you've done with your time, because I kind of love your um, like you and your husband have figured out throughout the years of different things you've done with your time that work for you that is kind of unconventional. And I think our listeners will benefit a lot from hearing kind of what is working for you or what has worked for you in the past with balancing kids and uh, your work. Yeah, of course. And thank you for prefacing it that way because yeah, I'm such a non-believer in just, this is the one way to do it forever and ever. Amen. So um we do. We are a big fan of reassessing. And one thing, so we um, adopted our second child and he was kind of like an overnight adoption. It was totally not the textbook way. It was very fast. It was very furious. And all of a sudden we're picking up a baby. Um, and it, it just, it happened very quickly. So at the time I was in like the pre-promotions and my, my book was written, I was finishing up edits and it was due to the publisher. And so there were all kinds of deadlines surrounding that. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I like, I, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know when to work. I don't know when to fit in the work time. He wasn't the best sleeper. Um, and we also knew we wanted to really work on attachment and that was going to be a really big pillar for us. So we, um, we wanted him on us like all the time. So, um, so what we ended up, we, what we ended up falling into, and this was not the plan, but we would always, I don't know if anybody else does this, but we'd always fight over like who does the next feeding or whatever. Um, and so who does the next diaper change? Who does any, anytime, like there's that 3am, 2am, it's like a gray area. Like whose shift is it really? Mm -hmm. Um, he is a natural night owl and I'm a natural morning person. So we used to sort of reserve those times for our work. He would work really late at night. I'd work really early in the morning. But then when you throw a baby in, in the mix, it's like nobody's working. We're just kind of feeding and, and like tending, you know, all night long, rocking, whatever. So 
what we decided was um, 2 a.m. would be our new kind of like restart of our day. So 2 a.m. is kind of like the midnight or the noon. And that's when we would switch off. So if he woke up after 2 a.m., that was on me, right? Like, cause I was the morning person mm-hmm. and <laughs> what I would do is I would just get up with him and then I just started making that the beginning of my work day. So I would, I'd get up, I'd feed him, I'd change him, I'd put him back to bed. He would just sit either like in a carrier on me and we'd sway and like I'd do a standing desk thing or, um, or I'd put him back in his swing and he'd just be right there. So we started kind of the clock at 2 a.m. And it was odd because I started to really love it. I mean, the house was quiet. It was, um, there were no other children <laughs> running around asking for snacks. Mm-hmm. It was just really easy. So then I learned to, okay, I have to go to bed at 6 p.m. the night before. And it turns out I loved that too, because then I didn't have to do dinner cleanup. So it was just all of these <laughs> amazing things came out of it. And it was weird for social time. Like it, I had to sort of rearrange how am I going to fit? How do we fit family dinners around? We moved to family lunch instead of family dinner. And then we just um, kind of, we tried it for a season and we loved it. And then we kept that up for three years. So now I'm pregnant again and I don't know what we're going <laughs> to, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm open to advice, but um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do the same thing and just sort of see how it plays out, see what kind of sleeper the kid is and go from there. Mm. I just love that example because, and I think sometimes we think that because other people do it a certain way, that's what it has to be. And that's also what success has to look like. But I feel like becoming an adult has like, the more I learn, the more I get to know people who inspire me, the more I realize we make up our own equations, right? What does success look like? Is it only the finish line or is it our success is the progress? So it's, that I'm putting in this amount of practice a week. Is that my success? Or is it the, you know, getting this for kids, it's teaching them that it's not the grade, it's the daily practice putting in whatever. But I just love it that we can actually just write our own either success equations or our equations of what our days are going to look like and, and what we need in our lives and what we don't need in our lives. And I think it's frankly just liberating. Like hearing you speak, it just makes me feel liberated. Like I can just make up what works for me and my family, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be huge. I mean, I get that we both have these open-ended schedules and we can, as long as we get our work done, we can kind of work anytime. But um, I just like to think of like, remember when you were a kid and you thought being an adult was going to be the coolest thing ever because you could do whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere we just stopped thinking that, I mean, we can eat gummy bears for dinner if we want to. I mean, it's not (laughs) not that we're not going to have consequences, but we were right when we were kids that we get to choose and we have a lot we have a lot less control over what we think we do, but we also have a lot more control over what we think we do. Totally. So Erin, there's something you said in an interview, and this could have just been a passing comment that you don't even remember. So if so, we'll move on to the next question, but it really um, hit me in an interview. You said that as you got to a place where you almost felt like a shell of yourself and um, that kind of inspired you or kind of pushed you into making these changes. And I, I think that was just such a, um, clear description of sometimes how we can feel as a parent. When, when I have a newborn, I start to feel this way. And then I usually have, 
almost like a waking up out of being in this sleepy shell state. Um, and I'm wondering if you remember having this, saying this comment in an interview, and if you can speak to um, that feeling and what kind of pushed you into that awakening stage. Um, I, I feel like I have said that so many times. That is kind, <laughs> that's kind of my definition for when I'm just not fully all there, you know, yeah. like you're just yeah. sort of going through the motions, you're, you're externally present, but like, who knows where your mind is. And honestly, I, I think I've come, and I would say I'm nearing that season now, like just at the, at the very end of pregnancy, it's like, whatever you can do to get through the day, man. Um, yeah. Just with discomfort and, and kind of emotions being a world. But I would say for me, the only way that I, I, get to the awaken. It's just time for me. Um, and I think generally that's because it's usually an external factor that's influenced it. So maybe it's the new baby phase, which I admittedly do not do well um, with. And so I think, I think for me, it's kind of waiting through that newborn fog and then kind of slowly, I, I, I think there are ways to maintain it, you know, so that you're not so you can find yourself out of it. You know, you can find yourself on the other side, but I think waiting had a lot to do with it for me. And um, I always make sure to, I have a five-year journal and I jot things down that have happened throughout the day. And then I go back and see what happened the year prior. And I'm always amazed at what I think isn't possible is possible. And what I think I'm not doing well, I'm doing well. And um, everything's fine. You know, everything is fine. So for me, I don't know that it's it's a conscious awakening. I think it's more like um, maybe the better analogy is the cocoon, and you just sort of wait until you're you're ready to come out, or until the circumstance is not ready to carry you anymore. You know, maybe the cocoon's done and it's destroyed, and then and then you have to fly. I don't know, but um, yeah, it I I don't know that I have clear tips on getting yourself out of it, other than I think it naturally comes in waves. And I think that that's totally okay. And if you can find yourself to, if you can find a way to tether yourself in a small way to you and whether that's however you do that through journaling, through um, walk, taking walks, through, I don't know, um, creativity, anything, um, then that's maybe you can, you can just kind of hold on to some of those pieces of yourself and they'll be there on the other side. It's reminding me of, uh, a quote, another quote that you probably don't even remember saying that I was like, wow, yes, you said sometimes change is accepting where you are, where we are. And when I heard you say that, I was like, yes, sometimes that is a total change in our perspective, our life, just to say, I'm going to stop pushing, pushing, pushing and trying to change every single thing and just accept I am right here and see the beauty in that moment. I think that has a lot to do with it. Yes, definitely. I like as you describe that, Erin, because I think we've all felt that before. The feeling of that you're a shell. For me, I go back to when my babies were newborns. Like there was one time it was my second baby. I was really sleep deprived. And I remember looking at her and thinking like, I should be feeling more here than I am. And I'd smile with my face, but not like on the inside. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that as you describe it, I think sometimes we feel so guilty for feeling that way because it isn't how we think we should be feeling. So 
I love the kind of grace that it sounds like you're suggesting we give ourselves. I think the key there is, I, as you're describing it, you're still recognizing that you're in a stage that isn't, whether it's not ideal or if you're, you know, if you're feeling like a shell, obviously that's not something that you want to feel forever. Um, but I, I kind of love the idea that by recognizing it, that's always the first step. But then that there is a patience and a kind of, I like the cocoon analogy, that if you can recognize it, this is where I am. Are there steps that I can take through self-fulfillment of some kind, whether that is quiet time journaling, creativity, I love all those tips, but that there is a patience involved and a kind of self-acceptance there. I think it, it prevents us from that chase of, I should be feeling more ambitious right now. How can I push myself to feel that? And instead just imagine that you're in a cocoon. I actually really love mm -hmm. that. I think it just gives us permission to be there. And I think that's beautiful. It does. Well, and the other thing is, <clears throat> I think when we're in that place of being a shell, what's missing is presence. And what is more present than understanding and feeling where you are right now and, and realizing, oh, I, I, I am present enough to know that I am not being present right now. Mm -hmm. And that's awake. That's being awake right there. That's the awakening, right? I mean, I think that's, I think you're right. I think that's the first step. And, and I've never gotten anywhere by pushing myself through to the, to the next stage. So um, for me, I, I do, I just tend to wait and I tend to just, um, I like to communicate it to my family and just make sure they know, Hey, no, I'm, nothing's wrong. I'm just not feeling like me and I know I will soon and that's going to be okay. Mm, oh, I love that. Can you tell us a little bit, um, in your book, you talk about the metaphor of the lion. I think that kind of goes a little bit with what we're talking about here. Um, it really struck a chord with me and I feel like everybody has felt the lion inside of them and how we kind of find, when I first started reading your book, I thought that maybe the lion was just bad. But then as I read more, I realized it's kind of a complicated relationship. And so could you maybe share that metaphor with us? And I think it, and I think it can kind of help people who are feeling like what we're talking about feeling right now in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I, when I first started writing the book, I thought the line was bad and then I realized, Oh no, there are a lot of benefits here. But, um, for, for me, it's just always been that chase for more. It's always been kind of that voice lurking in you or whispering behind your ear. That's just saying there's more, um, you need to be doing more. You need to be achieving more. You need to be, um, noticing more, whatever it is. And I think I got to a, I, I, I had first tried to just ignore the lion entirely, or then I tried to tame the lion, but it was really just sometimes listening to what that means and what, um, what you're kind of being conditioned to want is really eye-opening. And so I think closer toward the end of the book, it was more like, all right, if I can befriend this voice, if I can understand what this chase is and where it's stemming from and what the roots are, then maybe we can kind of work together on it. And that's kind of, that's kind of where I've landed. I think it's always going to be cyclical. I think we're always going to be chasing something or something's going to be chasing us. And um, I guess the key is to kind of really set your mind on what you want that to be and, and then, and then go for it there. I love that metaphor so much. And I, I love, thank you for describing it that way, because I think that we can use that line to our advantage, even in the times that we were just talking about when you're feeling like you're really in a slow, maybe space in your life. That sometimes for me, when I'm in that space, I feel like the lion's yelling at me, like you should be feeling more here. You should be a, like 
tackling big projects, but there are actually times, some of those times looking back on them, they're actually the most beautiful quiet times. And it's the not reaching for giant things during those times that make it so beautiful. So in those moments, I think it's almost like a, I recognize you lion that you're there, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to listen right now. Mm -hmm. And then at other times using that to actually help motivate you. And so I kind of like that framework of looking at it like a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Erin, well, we want to switch gears and talk about homeschooling um, with you. So we're going to take a little break and then we will be back to talk about uh, other goose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, Erin, so let's switch gears here and talk about um, your new project, which is a homeschooling curriculum called Other Goose. Before we dive into what it specifically entails, can you tell us what um, brought you to homeschooling? Yes. Well, I think this has just was been a process of also rejiggering. You know, we kind of changed everything in our lives and asked ourselves a lot of questions about what is necessary for us? Where can we get creative? What do we actually want for our kids? What do we want for our family? And homeschooling just kept kind of showing up in my mind. And it's so weird because I didn't know anybody that homeschooled. I, my parents were both public school teachers. I had just, I hadn't seen it done. I didn't even know what it meant. And I, so I did a ton of reading when my daughter was super, super young. Um, and really, we fell into it because we were in Singapore during the preschool registration phase. <laughs> I remember I had totally missed the deadline. I just spaced it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I cannot believe I missed like this massive milestone and my kid's going to be behind forever. And then but then we looked around and we were like, we're in we're in Singapore. We're here for the summer. We're learning so much already. We're immersing her in, in a totally different culture. This is beautiful. And this can count as school too. Mm -hmm. So, um, we really used kind of that experience as a stepping stone. And we, I would say we just built our own method of homeschooling with all of the values that we wanted our family to carry and all of the educational pillars that, you know, my parents would say were important and that, you know, psychologists and, um, family doctors and, and all of the experts, I guess you could say, would also say are worth thinking of and pursuing. And we've just sort of melted them together with every pedagogy and every methodology that we knew. Mm -hmm. And it has just worked really beautifully for our family. I love that reframing because I think a lot of the times we just simply don't think about how we're going to teach or school our kids because it's kind of a given they're just going to go to school 
But I think even if you choose to have your kids go to traditional school, I think it's worth having that conversation with your partner or your spouse to say like, what do we really want our kids to know? What values do we want them to know? Because um, I think a whole new world has opened up when you look at it that way, instead of, you know, count to a hundred and know how to read. I think you can really open up your world. Yeah. It becomes proactive and not reactive. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just such a fulfilling thing to, I mean, it's the lion again. It's thinking, okay, what, what do you want to chase? And then figuring out how to get there. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about your pillars? Because I think this idea, this kind of comes back to the equations thing, you know, Um, what are the, the pieces that you've put together in other goose that to you are the most important pillars of education? Yes. So I've done a ton of research in this area. I'm one of those people that when I don't feel like I am uh, sufficient or, I mean, I'm not a trained teacher. So when I feel like, oh my gosh, what am I, who am I to do this? I just pour on the research and get as much information as I can, um, almost to my detriment to where I'm like, oh, okay, you got to, you got to kind of calm down. Yeah, but <laughs> there were so many themes that would creep up. And so so Other Goose has three pillars that every child, our, our plan is for kids ages two to seven. But I truly think that this is across the board for every age. Um, they need one, connection through nature, two, community through stories, and three, creativity through play. And get that daily and your child has every foundation that they need. I love that. Um, I think those play to a lot of the things we talk about here that if you can connect, get outside, read, and have that free playtime, I think it kind of hits, pings all the little areas in their brain, and it's really a well-rounded approach. Um, so what, are there, are there certain teaching methods that inspired you when you started um, this journey of homeschooling or with other goose? You know, I looked at all of them and I think it was more, they all inspired me, to be honest. I think they were all really beautiful. And what I took from that is that there are a million ways to teach a child well. And what I didn't like about the homeschooling world, at least when I was trying to find a curriculum, which is why I made my own, is I I didn't like how combative they felt. You know, it was like you had to choose one path and obviously after talking with me for a few minutes, I'm, I'm just, I'm not about the one path thing. I, I don't think there is just one formula. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like you, you had to either pick classical or forest learning or Waldorf or Charlotte Mason or Montessori and that they couldn't all fit together. And I, and I think while there are some key elements of each method that, that do sort of conflict the baseline is thinking about the child and and considering the child and considering the family as a whole and figuring out what works with all of those elements that are already existing and i loved that and i so so i took from all of those methods really um to kind of get that perfect balance for me of of freedom and structure combined mm. i love when you say you created it um i I love the, tell me about how, how that happened for you. Did you have, do you have a team of people who you work with? Did you just know what you wanted and created it? How did that happen? Yes. So I 
knew what I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed. Um, and from there, I had to just reach out to the actual experts that that could better provide it. So it started with me, my first year of homeschooling, I just came up with my own lessons. And I, I will say lesson planning kind of runs deep in our blood on my, my whole family as teachers. So that part was actually really easy, but I did want some legitimacy if, um, you know, if this was going to be something that I was offering to other families. Um, I wanted to make sure that it was backed by people who, who, knew knew more of what they were talking about. And so um, we reached out to um, just a team of childhood development experts. There are research scholars, environmentalists, nutritionists, sleep doctors. Um, right now we have a teacher with her master's who was teachers of the year or teacher of the year in uh, her local school district. And she left to homeschool her young kids. So she's kind of the perfect blend of Here's kind of for, for the parents that are really concerned about will my child get left behind or will they have a hard time transitioning back to traditional school? Um, she's really a per, been a perfect guiding voice in that because she knows both worlds very well. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, we're really here, I would say, to not only provide ideas for parents to support their kids, but we're really here to support the parents because we understand that there are just so many question marks. And especially now, I mean, this is a crazy time and we don't know what's best for our kids and we don't really have a best option available to us. There's just a lot of compromises across the board. So I love talking to parents who had never once considered the idea that don't think they can do it. I love talking to them about you know, all, all of the barriers come up. I'm not patient enough, or I work from home, or my schedule won't allow it, all of these things. And just getting creative with them and understanding that maybe maybe this could be an option, and maybe it can't, and that is fully okay too. It is not for everybody. Um, but it's been just a really interesting experiment for our whole family. It's It's really, I think, sparked my own creativity and my own work as much as in my kids. Yeah, totally. I think that's a really cool part of homeschooling is that we get to learn alongside our kids and they see that um, desire in us and how learning can be fun and exciting and something that you want to do forever instead of head off to school and go learn and then come back and we'll do something else. So I really, that's something I really like about teaching kids at home. Um, do you have any advice for parents who might be in this stage of, oh my gosh, you know, my kids, either there's no school or I don't really feel comfortable sending them to school. So I think I want to start looking into this homeschool thing, but I don't even know what that means. Maybe how they can start defining their homeschool journey and what that might mean for them. Definitely. Um, we actually, I have a workshop that I, I send a lot of beginners too. They're just kind of in that tiptoeing questioning stage where you're not sure if it's something that you're up for, but you're, you're curious about it. And, um, that's just at othergoose.com slash workshop. But one thing that we talk about in that workshop, and it's just, it's like five minutes a day, five videos, um, five days. So it's, it's super short, very simple, but, and it's free. Um, I talk a lot about starting with your family. I think a lot of curriculums would say to start with the kid. And while I do believe that that's true, I think you really have to start with the, the parents mm -hmm. because 
in this early age, they're two to seven, you know, you're, you're calling the shots. You have to figure out what's manageable for you and you have to set those boundaries up front. So it's kind of like what we talked about earlier, you know, start with what you want um, and what your family values. And we have a worksheet that you can download to kind of go through family values and sort of what your vision would be for your homeschool. So you can plan it out that way and then add things rather than starting with, you know, this boxed curriculum and then understanding, oh, we don't want to do half of this because it, it doesn't align with our schedules or our commitments or our responsibilities or our desires. And, um, I think that's, that's been really eye-opening for a lot of our members that go through that workshop and they realize that they have a lot more agency over their child's education than they've been taught to believe. And even though, you know, I'm sitting here talking as a non-educator and as someone who has not, I, I don't have a degree in really education. I am a total expert in my, in my kid. And I'm also the guiding force in my family. And I don't think, I always think of potty training. I mean, mm-hmm. none of us, none of us brought in potty training experts mm-hmm. and brought them to our house and had like a potty training tutor. You know, none of us kind of handed over that key milestone to someone else to handle. We figured it out and we figured out what worked best for us and what worked best for our kids. And I don't know a lot of children that are, that are in school that are, are still in diapers that never, that their parents never (laughs) nailed the potty training thing. Mm -hmm. So it is, I think, I think we have inherent influence and I think it's important that we at least consider that when we're choosing how to educate our kids. I do love that, that it's within our realm of responsibility and choice that we have the choice. And we have as parents, I love that, that we're the ex, we are experts in our children more than anybody else's experts. Actually. I love that. Can you walk us through just a little bit, just give us a little glance into what other goose is. What does that look like? Does it cover multiple subjects or is it just those using those three pillars you mentioned introducing other subjects or how does that work? Like how, for example, would reading look with other goose? Yeah. So you, you sign up and um, you get access to the, the platform inside the platform. You can have as many kids as are in your house um, ages two to seven, and then the homeroom will generate custom lessons that are age appropriate for those children. So every child has kind of their own dashboard within the platform. It's super pretty. Um, it's very like well designed. Yeah. Um, that was important to me too because there. I don't know. I just I like things to look nice and to be um, enticing to come to. So, um, and yeah, it's just one price per family. It's twelve ninety nine a month, and. Um, what you get five lessons a week. So you can do those any day for me. I wanted play freedom and structure. So I didn't, Mm -hmm. I wanted there to be plenty of free space for my kids to discover and make connections on their own, but I also needed prompts. I needed ideas to kind of kick them off in their exploration because there's only so many times a day we can hear the words I'm bored and (laughs) then not feel like we're failing our kids. So, um, I, so the lessons are short. They're 20 minutes. They're totally self-paced. They use things that every most parents have at home. Um, there's no supply list. There's no you know fancy 
scope and sequence. We actually don't even share the full scope and sequence because it can be really overwhelming um, in terms of, you know, when you sit down and realize that there are over 700 plus lessons that you're going to be exposed to in one year, it, it feels overwhelming. So we really break it down so it's manageable to just each week here are your five things. And there are 10 within the three pillars that I mentioned, which is reading together, getting outside and um, doing that one-on-one lesson with your kid. Um, there are 10 learning categories. So we go through everything. There's math, logic, literature, language, foundations, rhythms, habits. Um, I mean, so we, we included relationships because one of those, um, I think one of those barriers to homeschooling is people think that your kid won't get enough socialization or whatever. And so um, we have a learning category for that even, and just for family connection in general. So we've hit every educational milestone. We've hit every pillar. And um, again, it does include all pedagogies. So we're not going to ask you know a parent of a two-year-old to choose Waldorf at that moment and stick with it forever. Um, you will get exposed to all of the different pedagogies. And that's, and that's to me a benefit because then you know more of what your child responds to and of what you enjoy teaching them and kind of guiding them through. Um, there's also an interest log, which is really cool, where you can sort of rate your child's response to the lesson. You're not rating how well they did because we believe in outcome-free learning. It's very process-based. It's very open-ended. And so you're going to rate how your child responded. How many eye sparkles did they get? And then our algorithm will determine, you know, which areas they're excelling in, which areas do um, they need to experience growth in, which, what, what can you do from there? Like how can you spark math in a child that isn't really into it? And then we provide sort of the resources from there. So it's really, it's a really robust program. There's also a marketplace where you can get um, free resources. If your child is more, if you're coming from the traditional school system and you're more into the worksheets and kind of the proof that your kid is learning something, Mm -hmm. then um, there are resources available for you there. And our members get those resources for free in the marketplace through credits earned by completing lessons, by um, chit-chatting in the forums. I mean, we just dole out credits like candy. (laughs) So it's really, it's really fun. And the community is fantastic. And it's been a big blessing to me, at least, um, as I, as I created, I didn't realize how much I needed that community also. Yeah. I love that. Um, the eye sparkle way to think about, especially with the young, that younger age from two to seven, I, the, all my kids are in that. Well, I have a baby too, but they're six and under. And I, I think if you can establish that, um, love of learning. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of people choose like an interest led approach or an unschooling approach is once you see, and it sounds like other goose has kind of woven that into its structure a little bit too, where if you can establish that in your kids, um, then they can go any path of learning. It doesn't really matter because they love it and they, they want to do it as opposed to here, I'll give you 10 points if you finish this. And it's kind of like a slog. So I love that way to look at, um, advancement as 
are they loving this? And if not, how can we adjust so they will love to learn math instead of most of us where me, it's like, how can I just never, ever do math again, ever? <laughs> yes, you're totally right. I totally agree with you. That's really cool. I love that. Can you tell us then, so once your child turns seven, then do you just choose a curriculum of your choice or send them to school? Either way, is it just kind of an open-ended once they're seven, then you can kind of go whatever direction you'd like? Yes, it is. And you will, I mean, if you've worked through the program long enough, you'll know what what your kid responds to. We also have one-to-one mentors and guidance so that if you do need help deciding, you know, if you're leaning toward one method and you're not sure, um, then we always recommend resources from there. But, you know, my daughter just turned eight um, and she still loves her lessons uh, because they do kind of scale up. They get a little more advanced as they're older. So, you know, you might be making paper airplanes with the two and three year old, but with the, the seven and eight year olds, you're discussing wind patterns and you're going outside and looking at barometers and it just gets a little bit more, you know, by the book, I guess, scientific, but, um, so, so we're still, I mean, we're still doing it with our eight-year-old and we just added, um, kind of like an MEP math and reading lists. And I mean, I don't know, I, I try to assess every year and people have asked, are you going to expand into older years because they want their kids to stay in the program? And, um, I don't know yet. I'm not, I think I have to see what it's like to teach an eight-year-old <laughs> before I can safely suggest for other people. But, um, yes, right now we, we usually will send those students on to a team of mentors elsewhere or that, or that work within our plan too, to kind of customize what their learning might look like. I love that. I love all the choices that you have there. It sounds like you have a really well-developed freedom with structure, which is what we all, I mean, that's the perfect balance in the homeschooling that I've done with my own children. That's one of the beauties of homeschool is that you have freedom and then you can also have as much structure as you'd like. And Mm -hmm. all of us have a different space on that spectrum, but where we want to be, but I really love that. So if our listeners want to know more about other goose, where is the best place for them to start? We have, and we'll include these in our show notes and on our website, which is findthemagic.co, but we have othergoose.com slash workshop. That sounds like a really great place. Is there any other place you direct them to know more about other goose and about you? Yes. Yes. Um, the, the workshop is the best place. I would say if you're just curious about homeschooling in general and you want to kind of leave those myths on the table and, and move forward and making a decision. Um, and then othergoose.com slash free is where everyone can get three weeks free right now. So um, you'll just have a three week free trial and then you decide if you want to stay or if you don't want to stay either way is fine. Um, so those are the best, but we're on Instagram at other goose. And then I am personally at designformankind.com, which is my blog. And then I'm sometimes on Instagram, but not much at Erin Lochner. Awesome. Erin, we will link all of that. And also, um, a little code for our listeners. If you do decide to use other goose with your kids this year. Um, so we always ask all of our guests this question, what is one habit that you have that is a game changer and helps you find the magic every day in your life? I love this question. Um, so I email my kids um, 
they're only four and eight, so they don't know that I do it yet. <laughs> but I'm just always sending them little notes or pictures of art they've drawn or funny things they've said. And it's just my way. I'm, I'm horrible with a baby book. So I found this to be kind of the next best thing. And I'm just going to like hand over the password to the account when they turn 18, maybe. I don't know. Um, and then they'll just have a really accurate picture of what their daily life was like as kids, you know, rather than those celebrations or milestones that most of us are taught are the most important to remember. I think they'll get like a nice daily picture of just what their childhood was like. So. Oh, I love that tip so much. And it, and I think it can help you not just collect. I feel like I find myself like, Oh, do I throw this cute picture away that they drew or do I keep it? And there's so many things, but I love the idea. Just take a picture, take a video of them doing that cute little thing. And then they can see it all. And I'm sure that that would mean as someone who I have like five pictures of myself as a baby and no videos and nothing else that seems, I would love that. I wish I had that. <laughs> yeah. And it helps me too. Cause it helps me realize that even though like everything went wrong and the toddler was licking the dog dish and like <laughs> just after the crazy days, um, it's nice to be able to focus on like something really wonderful that happened and, and find the magic in there for myself as well. Oh, that's so beautiful, Erin. Well, thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for creating such a beautiful resource at this time, especially with, I mean, we have a pandemic happening and who knows what's happening with education. I, I'm grateful for your effort that you have put together things for parents. This has, you have some really great resources and tools. That's perfect timing for a lot of our listeners. So thank you. Thank you. It was so good to chat with you guys. You as well. All right. Let's find the magic. Thanks, Erin. Bye. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> <And> brown cows. <laughs>